and welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard, I'll be your host for November, because uh, Christmas is coming, um, it's exciting, um, the old man's getting fat, I think there's a rhyme in that, I have no idea, um, but maybe the old man's getting fat because we're going to be maybe feeding some carnivores, maybe some dinosaurs, some vicious velociraptors or T-Rexes, because... We're going to be talking about, on Kickstarter right now, it's Dino World, which is a dinosaur-themed roll-and-write game, which is coming all the way from Alley Cat Games. And joining me to have a little chat about it, I've got David Turzi, I've got James O'Connor, and I've got Nick Shaw. And this is going to be actual carnage. So, (laughs) good evening, gentlemen. Hello to you all. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. It's good to good good to have you all. I know this is all a bit it's all about kind of last last minute, potentially a little bit ramshackle, but um, <laughs> um, <laughs> the campaign launched today, and it is already not only funded, but it's already funded, and then a huge kind of chunk of change on top of that, which I'm sure um, the three of you are all are all very kind of a kind of excited about. Um, For people who haven't listened to us before, thank you for coming along and listening to us. The reason that we do this is because there's quite simply not enough podcasts out there about board games and there's quite (laughs) simply not enough people out there who have done like far too many episodes and just cannot be stopped and must, you know, kind of must be stopped at the same time. And the second reason that we do this is um, Cesar is a friend of the show and uh, he actually said he didn't want to come back on. <laughs> he said, I've got three guys that could maybe come on the show and talk about the Kickstarter instead. So like the fool that I am, I said yes, basically. Well, it does take all three of us to make up for Caesar. It does. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Very true. Yeah, you're kind of, yeah, you're kind of right. You're kind of right like that. You're kind of right like that. Um, tell me, I mean... We're going to talk about the game. I have said kind of in the green room, which um, everybody is obviously sitting in this imaginary green room waiting to talk with their lovely cups of teas and coffees and wonderful plate of biscuits. Um, except if you're James and you're at work. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, how did the game kind of originally kind of come kind of come around? I know that it was your... Um, it was... It was as a James. Did you? Did you? Were you the first person that kind of came up with a kind of the idea originally? Yes. Uh, so the game kind of originated as a much larger game, kind of like a a giant table eating monstrosity uh, that was inspired by both Jurassic Park and also a computer game from the nineties called Dino Park Tycoon. Uh, so All right. we were. Uh, a buddy of mine were actually trying to develop more of a uh, economic simulator management game where you're building this humongous park and we tested it and iterated on it but the feedback we got from publishers was it was too much of a simulation than a game so we iterated on it a couple of times turned it from mm-hmm. that into a tile placement worker placement game down into yeah. a dice game and then kind of refined it more and more uh, and then when uh, Gen Cant came around last year and they announced a roll and write contest I said well if I've already condensed this game twice why not do it one more time into an even smaller package and see if I can fit that whole giant table worth of stuff onto a single piece of paper uh, and that was kind <laughs> of the genesis for the roll and write version of the game and of course, you had like Dinosaur Island 
kind of come around as well. And there was was it there's Dinogenics as well. So you must have been like, oh, theme parks better maybe do potentially something with lots not of lots of tiles and work placement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and kind of stuff like that. Yeah, we we um, debuted because, the game at Origins in 2014, and uh, that was yeah. where we kind of got the the first feedback on it, and then it kind of it sat on the shelf for a while, and kind of kept popping it back up mm-hmm. again with the new iterations and new ideas. But 2017 is when we really started getting into it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is this the kind of the first game that you've designed, or have you been designing for a while, then, James? Uh, I've been designing games off and on since about. 2013. Um, mm-hmm. This is my first game to come to Kickstarter, uh, and, it's, right, okay. and it's only my third game that I've signed total. Uh, I have a couple others, one with uh, Button Shy and one with Breaking Games, uh, but this is my okay. first one that's going to be coming to market in a big way. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Is it? I mean, is it exciting to kind of get to that kind of get to that point with the game? Then you're kind of saying, well, this is actually gonna happen and actually on kickstarter just now with it being funded it's definitely gonna happen yeah i was actually holding my breath for the whole first three hours <laughs> watching the <laughs> the numbers rise i was like oh gosh what's it gonna do what's it gonna do because i had no idea what to expect um so i was very nervous uh, i've watched a lot of campaigns from the outside but never from the inside and it's mm-hmm. a whole different experience for sure yeah did you i mean um as you being part of like the creationary team, do you all have? I mean, do you guys all have access to Kickstarter to kind of like the console? Do you, do you all have like your individual logins to get access to see kind of what's happening? Yes. Well, I do. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't know we're, if the other all... two can be trusted. <laughs> we're, we're all collaborators, I think, on it. Yeah. All right. Okay. So you can kind of get. Yeah. So you can yeah, kind of get access that. to it. So how, I mean, how did you end up bumping into these other two kind of handsome fellas then, James? I mean, how did how did you end up? Because it sounded like, you know, uh, it sounded like Dino World itself was kind of ready to go. So how did yeah. you end up kind of getting involved with Cesar and getting involved with David and, and Nick? That's a, that's a great question. So we, I, I shopped the game around quite a bit after uh, Gen Cant when it won the contest there, and we had uh, mm-hmm. Gen Cant, and everyone got the chance to see it and play it. Uh, I showed it to several publishers, uh, and then it kind of just sat on the back burner for a while. And, uh, it never really, there was an interest, but no one actually was ready to put forward a contract. Um, and mm-hmm. so it sat there for about a year, uh, kind of just right. forgotten about. It. I thought, well, I guess you know, it had its little moment in the sun, and and uh, I'll, that's probably good enough, I guess. Uh, and then Caesar kind of contacted me out of the blue on Twitter, saying, "Hey, I just found out about this game, Dino World. Uh, is that still a thing? Is it still out there?" And I was like, "Well, as a matter of fact, it is. Uh, let's talk about it." <laughs> um, and so uh, I started talking with Caesar. He was very interested in the game. He had a lot of great ideas and visions for it. Um, I was very excited to be, you know, getting back into it after having let, sat there for about a month. Uh, and so when um, Caesar said he wanted to bring it on, he said that he also had a couple other designers that uh, had some really great ideas, a lot of good roll and write experience, uh, and he mm-hmm. wanted to kind of leverage their um, skills and talents uh, to kind of help bring the game into its full potential. And so that's kind of where uh, these two gentlemen started joining the show, and it's been a pleasure working with them ever since. Okay. Was it kind of weird knowing that you might be, after having invested so much time in the game, that you're going to be potentially handing over some of the kind of the creative control um, of it to other yeah. people, kind of thing? 
Yes, uh, yes and no. So you know, th- there's always that designer fear of like, this is my baby. I don't know what they're gonna do to it. Um, but at the same time, like, I felt like I had done as much to the game as I could by myself. I kind of iterated on it and iterated on it and iterated on it, and I felt like it was changing, but it wasn't necessarily getting better. So I felt like it really needed some outside influence, some fresh ideas to kind of help it fully. Uh, come into its own um and mm-hmm. also you know after having seen it not really go very uh, anywhere after a year i was like well if they're going to take it and go in a direction at least it's a direction that's forward and it's not going to just stay in the shadows yeah. like it is now and turn into a fossil yeah. so I, I was kind of uh, interested to see you know any direction they wanted to take it i was i was willing to go along for the ride and see where it went but i'm yeah, very happy yeah. where it ended up yeah so what about yourself, Nick? I mean, how did you how did you end up kind of coming to the table in this in this kind of venture? So I think David was brought on um, by Cesar um, to advise on how to improve the game and make it more of a medium weight game, which is what Cesar wanted mm. to kind of pitch it as. Um, and I've worked with David a lot on a number of his previous projects on um, playtesting and advising on the solo modes. Um, All right. And so he's brought me on um, for this uh, because of both because of my work with Solo, but also because I've also played a lot of roll-and-write games. Whereas um, I have never. And David hasn't. So, uh, <laughs> right, yeah, okay. so I was kind of a David's advisor. Oh, right. So he kind of like, so Cesar brought David in and said, yep. right, okay, so you're going to help us with the roll-and-write bit, and you're going to help us with the solo bit, and then the next thing, five minutes later, you're getting a text. Indeed, yeah. Which yep. is like, that's what... help! <laughs> that, that, that's literally what happened, although it wasn't a text, it was a meet and greet at UK Games Expo. But yep. yes, basically, I said, the theme is nice, the drawing little yeah. Tetris blocks of dinosaurs is nice, we need yeah. more choices. Mm. Also, I right, don't okay. know how a good roll and ride feels like, so how about I bring on somebody else who has played one of those ever? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then Cesar said, "Sure." <laughs> so, I mean, what kind of other roll and write games have you been involved in, then, Nick? Um, I did my own design for Gen Count as well. Uh, oh. It it didn't win any prizes, but I did I did do it. That was exciting. Yeah, um, and I play tested quite a few of those as well. Um, and oh, right, I've okay. played I have played some other roll and writes as well. Things like um, Octo Dice. Uh-huh. Um, and others in that vein. Um, so I knew a lot about the kind of things that you would do in a roll and write with dice manipulation and um, yeah. the writing on the sheets and what exactly you do on the sheets and how what should be represented on those um, and that kind of thing. And that was, uh, yeah, it was an interesting, um, interesting opportunity, I think. So were you preventing people from making? Were you preventing the other two rather than people from making the kind of the obvious kind of schoolboy errors when they were plowing it and saying, "Well, let's do this," and it's like, "Well, you can't do that because of, you know, X, Y, Z. It unbalances stuff, or it doesn't." Sort of, yeah, work. yeah, yeah. I mean, is it not so much that I was stopping them from um, doing certain mechanics or something, but more advising other ways that you could implement certain. Um, mm-hmm. features and the ways that you could uh, get the players involved in the gameplay. Um, so it's yeah. not a simple Yahtzee style, just roll dice, choose something, roll dice again, um, but mm-hmm. actually making more interesting decisions with what you're doing with those dice. Mm-hmm. I mean, for people that haven't played roll and write before, I mean, you're probably the best person to ask what you know. What makes a roll and write? What what is our um, roll and write, Nick? That doesn't make a sentence, but it's a very interesting question because it's not actually a 
a, a mechanic on Board Game Geek. Um, it's kind of grown organically um, over the yeah. last few years. Um, generally, a roll and write game is a game where you roll some dice. Uh, mm-hmm. You do something with those dice to write things physically onto a player sheet or a, a shared sheet of paper. Um, mm-hmm. So you are, you know, you've got a pencil and you're actually writing permanently onto these sheets and you have a, a whole pad of sheets that you'll use uh, one per game. Um, they lend themselves nicely a lot of the time to having uh, a lot of players. Um, so a lot of roll and writes. If you have enough sheets, you could play in theoretically unlimited number of players. Um, which people have done, um, like um, Rado has done, did his run through of Avenue um, on his channel where he got um, watchers to play along with him, um, and so that's the yeah that's the kind of thing you can do with roll and rights there. So it's kind of more more you don't have to worry about the components as much as long as you've got a pencil and there's enough space in the pad relatively. That's you right. Get so a you lot have more a, people kind of playing. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you just need the dice and a copy of the sheet. Um, sometimes mm-hmm. you just need one person to have the dice, um, and then you just have everyone else can have a sheet, and then you share that, um, and it just works like that. Um, there are some other extensions of the roll and write genre, uh, which are um, uses cards rather than dice. Um, so things like Welcome to, uh, which is a recent popular one, um, where they have you flip the cards. Um, and the cards have some kind of dice-based like thing on them, um, and Avenue does that as well, where you, you have cards as well that you're flipping, um, and they're often called something like flip and fill or like that. Um, so yeah, so you can have there are different things that you can do in the genre. Okay, okay. Do you think there's an attraction with that because? Kind of the roll and write kind of genre doesn't rely on having multiple massive numbers of kind of components and kind of production. I think so. Yeah, in order I think to it's, kind of it's, make it work. It's. I think it's very popular, especially because of the uh, portability of the games, where you can just have you can take a sheet of paper and a few dice, and that's all you need. You know, you, mm-hmm, you, you mm-hmm. always have a pencil on you, um, and uh, yeah, you can take it on holiday. You can take it to. Like down to the pool to play um, things like that. It's um, very portable games. Um, they're very often small boxes, so they don't take up much space. And so they're, I think that's why they're quite popular. Yeah, yeah. I've yeah. actually seen I mean, pictures of people who've been playing it in the park. They've taken it to libraries and done it with large groups of, of people um, at conventions. Yeah. It's 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 very popular for that reason because of the unlimited player count and the portability, like Nick mentioned. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, David, you've been involved in um, you've been involved in a, a, a couple of kind of well-known kind of bigger games. I mean, Anacre kind of being being one of them. Was it was it a bit of a challenge to for you to kind of approach this? Maybe knowing that you couldn't say, okay, we could have this deck of cards, or let's bring some additional components kind of in. Were you having to look at things from a slightly different perspective? from the kind of the design point of view when you were looking at this game? Well, I mean, if I ever design a roll and write from scratch, and I do plan on doing that, I, I know I will struggle with keeping it on the low end. On, mm-hmm. on this game, I had the luxury of somebody doing the legwork, and mm-hmm. all I had to do was play it and say how would I do, it, do the exact same thing better. As mm-hmm. in what I would add to make it tougher choice, f- more fluent, less random, etc. You know, things we consider improvements. 
Yeah, 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 and yeah. So really, all I asked was because the original game was just dice and paper. All I asked was, can I get one deck of cards? Yeah. And so I said yes, and I was like, all right, I will. No, I promise not to ask for more than <laughs> one deck of cards. <laughs> Has, he been, has David been sneaking stuff in yes, to the design and the process? Yes, the that... sneaking them out. Uh, <laughs> That's right, yep. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I was actually quite surprised that there are only three dice in the game, because the last time I tried it, my version needed a lot more dice, and then they were like, nah, we don't need that. This is simpler <laughs> this way. People will like it more. <laughs> you can just imagine it's kind of like, David, what's that? It's... it's um. It's it's um it's a diplo- it's a diplodocus and it's a brachiosaur and David do they need to be three inches high? <laughs> uh, well, beautiful uh, miniatures. I yeah. thought they added kind of. Um, to be, to be honest, because because the first thing that people know about me is an acronym, which is obviously huge on the table and <laughs> ten billion shits. <laughs> they assume yeah. that every game I make wants to be ten billion shits, which as mu- as as lovely it feels is only true for the games I do with uh, the publisher of an acronym, because that's the sort of game they like whereas yeah. whereas for me the core thing is that everything that's in the game has to involve a strategic choice i can do yeah. a and move in direction one or i can do a and move in direction two or I could do a B and do something completely different with it. And and the small game will have one or two A's and B's with one or two directions. And the big game, like an acronym, will have ten A's <laughs> and B's with one or two directions each. So, yeah. so everything needs to be there for at least two reasons, and usually no more than three reasons. So two or three reasons. And, and everything should influence your long-term uh, strategy, and everything should have a... Um, Risk, not a, either a risk reward or or a short term, long term trade off. So, so when I looked at James's original design to go go back to the exact example, and it yeah. was roll a bunch of dice, look at your menu of dinosaurs and roads, pick some dinosaurs and some roads, draw them in, and then roll some dice to see which one of them breaks out. I said I need three things. I need to care mm-hmm. about certain dinosaurs more or less. At different points of the game, those uh-huh. those turned into the visitor cards. I need different uh, strategies to appear in different games that turned into the lab cards and the special building cards, and I need uh, to be able to control the 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 uh, the risk of the dinosaurs breaking out, and that turned into the security track. So, mm-hmm. so I was more like the 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 executive producer saying I need a change mm-hmm. in yep. that direction, yep. and then I gave yeah. and then I gave a first idea to Nick. Nick tried it out. He said it works. He showed it to Caesar and James, and they said it's too complicated. <laughs> and then and and then they hacked two thirds of it out. Then I screamed at them for a week, saying you hacked too many things out. <laughs> and then they put put ten percent back. And then took five percent off, and then took one percent back, and then that was the game. <laughs> Did I mean James? At the same time, are you trying to make sure that you're maintaining the original vision, the original idea of the game? I mean, are you are you still trying to kind of say, well, you know, I kind of like having that there. Can we not just have 
that there. Thanks. Yeah. Kind of yeah. There's definitely an element to that. Um, I mean, the game it won the the Roll and Ride contest for a reason. People played the original mm-hmm. Jim Camp version and they liked it. I got a lot of positive mm-hmm. feedback. There were some definitely broken parts to it for sure. Um, yeah. And so it definitely needed some development. Um, I think the things I wanted to maintain the most were, you know, the pictographic example of drawing your park, you know, actually seeing it, putting the dinosaurs in there in these little polyhedral shapes. Mm-hmm. Or, and, At and no point shapes. was I trying to remove that. No, nobody was. Uh, <laughs> because I think everybody all liked it too. But it was definitely a touchstone for me. Um, you know, being able to draw your park, your park uh, I really wanted the ability to have it be uh, playable with any number of people. Uh, at, at one point, yeah. we were kind of looking at maybe scaling it down, saying, okay, this is going to be at max nine or, or, or eight or nine people. And I was like, no, we have to have the unlimited player sheet function. I mean, people want to play this in large groups. We want to play it in small groups. Yeah. We want to play it with solo. Um, and I, so I really wanted to try and maintain that. Um, but uh, I definitely saw that there were areas where it could be improved, like getting more player interaction, like the visitor cards, uh, stuff like that. Those were really necessary improvements uh, that I was like, okay, I, I've played with this for months, year, a year or so. Let's see where we can go from a new, a new ideas perspective. Yeah, yeah. I've seen that a lot with you know, what I call being kind of too close to the coalface where somebody bangs on about having to have a mechanic in a game and then you remove the you remove that mechanic just to try it, just to see if it gives something differently, if it pushes the game in a new direction, and sometimes it can open up something a little bit more exciting, mm-hmm. something a little bit more accessible. Sometimes it obviously kind of doesn't, it doesn't kind of always always work. So if you, I mean, I'm guessing that you know you're all working in kind of like different kind of time zones as well. Has it been kind of? Is it kind of is that made it a little bit more challenging that you can't all just kind of rock? I mean, just now, let's face it, it is it is about five to ten. Um, I'm guessing it's you know I'm, it's obviously going to be an awful lot earlier for James. It's going to be around about the same time for me and Nick, and I'm guessing it's potentially even a little bit later for for uh, for David. But, um, I'm actually in London. I don't live in Hungary. All right, okay, then no, I got that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it is, it is three o'clock in the afternoon here. Well, there you go. In Denver, there you go. So, well, there you go. And so, obviously, David's David's on London time anyway, so that could be any time at all. Yeah. <laughs> plus, plus, I'm not I'm not certain whether it would take me less time to fly to Denver or take the train down to Nick. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> it depends what um, it depends what kind of uh, train servers you're getting at the moment. Mm-hmm. And no doubt, a lot of them it's... are going to be cancelled because of the wrong leaves that are <laughs> yep, kind of on yep. <laughs> that are kind of on the on the line kind of going forward. <laughs> but is that made? I mean, even with you, kind of, do you get a chance to kind of? You had any chances to have any face to faces? Has it all been set in kind of like I, a I, virtual kind of office? I don't think I've ever met. James in person. James, have no. I met you in person? No, unfortunately, no. I've not had the pleasure of meeting any of these gentlemen. We've done it all remotely, okay. uh, and it has been interesting for sure. Uh, I, I tell my wife, you know, hey, honey, I have to get up at three o'clock in the morning t- this morning so I can yeah. have my international business call. <laughs> it makes <laughs> yeah. me sound so important. Um, <laughs> and 
uh, but a lot of times what I'll do is, you know, in the evenings when I get home, these guys are already way in bed. And so I'll, you know, play the game. I'll do some research. I'll type up some notes. I'll drop like four or five comments into our, our shared chat. And I'll just be like, well, I wonder what these guys are going to think about this in the morning. And then I'll go to bed and then I'll wake up and I'll turn on my phone and there's 500 messages from all of them going back and forth. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, got to catch up, got to catch up. And then like, they'll start a conversation, have a whole discussion about it and come to a decision. I'm like, well, I'm glad I wasn't part of that. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought it was Adobe get a bit passive aggressive where you change stuff that don't actually tell the other people that you've changed. <laughs> Not stuff. that I'm aware of, <laughs> so if they work. snuck it in, they did a good job. <laughs> I mean, which is which is why I was happy that Nick was the holder of the files because his right. his patience is a saint. Mm-hmm. So yeah. so when, whenever I got uh, fed up or, or 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 disagreed with the others or or anything, then it was just like. So this is what I wanted to do. Do something with it. Bye. <laughs> and then come, <laughs> come back the next day and look at what they agreed with. And then go like, shit, it's actually not bad. Sorry. Beep. It's actually not bad what they come <laughs> you up You can't with. see that. <laughs> What's the point of doing that? You can't see that and then go beep. <laughs> <laughs> you can edit it. All right, okay. So you give me now. I've got editing to do. Thanks, David. That's so. Fun. I can go back in time. There's no way you can spend your resources now to give them back earlier on in this in this game. I'm afraid, sir. If uh-huh. you don't, if you don't kind of mind. Um, but then I mean, was it up to like someone like yourself, Nick, to kind of maybe collaborate, kind of everything together? Were you the kind of still kind of having the sanity check on everything? being the kind of the role and right expert and saying, okay, yeah, all these ideas, I recommend we do this, I recommend we kind of do that. Were you kind of... In a way, I suppose, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would take the ideas that David and um, James had brought along and that Cesar himself and his uh, development guys as well have uh, brought along. Um, Mm -hmm. I would try those out. Um, I would subtly change them a bit here and there to try and balance things. Um, I'd write up all the notes. Um, I'd write comments to say why I've changed various bits, and then they would feedback comments to me, and I would iterate on that. Um, and eventually, it would then come out with a new version, which then everyone then starts playtesting. Um, and so mm-hmm. that's that was the kind of the process. Okay, okay. And what about you? I mean, yourself, David. I mean, are you are you having to fight the kind of the process, trying not to continually add kind of extra things in? Kind of all the time. Is this a, maybe? I mean, is this giving you ideas to doing your own kind of own rolling right now? Can it be even more, or are you just going to say, right, I'm happy I've done this rolling right. I've been involved in this one. Well, there were two questions there. The one about the process. I mean, at any like at the heat of the moment, it was frustrating to be overridden, but in the long term, it was like all of this was for the benefit of the game. So I was happy that we went through that because. If I felt about something very strongly, then 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 by me telling it again and again, the others mm-hmm. and and not just Nick and James, but but Cesar's team paid more weight to to testing other options. And even mm-hmm. if those testing didn't agree with me, it did end up finding something better. Mm-hmm. So okay. so so the extra laps were usually worth it. 
uh and 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 because i trust nick because that's why i brought him on board and he played it (laughs) about one billion times more than i have so when he tells me that yeah the current version works then i'm not gonna go and saying but the other one was my idea and let's use it because you know it's it's not about the ego it's about making the best game uh your other question was uh, what have i learned for my own future role and write game Right yeah. now, I'm just worried that my own roll and ride game will be extremely unsuccessful because I don't <laughs> because I don't want it to scale for any number of players. I don't want it to be playable in the park. So now I'm like, nobody will like my game. <laughs> so is this what you're going to do at the last minute? You're going to come in and sabotage a few things? And he said, "Oh, somebody delete." Somebody deleted the Kickstarter campaign. Who was that? <laughs> you see David running off in the distance, no. laughing hysterically. Very, very David. funny. But um, uh, unfortunately, I'm a bit, bit more on the professional side for that. We'll see. Time will tell. Um, let's get into the game itself, okay? Because obviously, there's no point in us having this conversation. It's, it's the same. This is how I work. We do half an hour of chat, and then we actually decide to tell everybody what the game's about <laughs> in the first place. Um, James, sure. because this is your baby, um, do you want it, you know, for people that are listening so far, and God bless everybody for listening so far, and, and after. David's terrible <laughs> ranty swear that he had. Um, Thank you. <laughs> oh, nice. I can edit you, you know. Um, <laughs> um, James, you want to tell us about Dino World? I mean, how you play it, the kind of the base mechanics for people that are kind of listening and, you know, are interested. Sure, definitely. Uh, so it is a medium weight roll and write game. Um, you All you need is uh, the pad of paper, pencil, uh, and a deck of cards and a couple of dice. And that all comes in the box. <laughs> and um, what you're going to do is for a small group game, you're going to set up, throw out some visitor cards between all the players. And those are the, the kind of the goals you're setting for yourself. Like, I want to have this number of dinosaurs. I want to have these kinds of features in my park and so that gives you kind of a starting direction of something you want to do then uh, every turn you're going to roll the three dice and that's going to give you some numbers that you can use in your park Uh, you can use numbers to build dinosaurs Uh, you can use numbers Mm -hmm. to build buildings and you can use numbers to um, draw paths inside the park. Paths are important because you're going to need to go from the entrances that are pre-printed on the map to the dinosaurs that you put into your park eventually. So, uh, okay. obviously, if the visitors can't get to the dinosaurs to see them, they don't do you any good. So you uh, will be drawing... We have six dinosaurs that are in the basic game, um, and so you'll be um, drawing those. They're all in different sizes. You can choose uh, the size and shape of the pen um, based on the value that are printed on there and so you'll you know choose a dinosaur put it in there make sure it's connected to the paths add buildings that'll give you special abilities or bonuses and then mm-hmm. after all that's done um you will uh go and check and see if the dinosaurs have escaped in the day well, let me back up one second so we do have two versions of the game there's the light mode which is exactly what i just described and then that's the end of the round and then we have yeah. a, a danger mode, which is all of that plus now the chance of dinosaurs escaping. So, all right. yeah, so that's where the dinosaurs kind of fight back a little bit. So uh, if you're playing the danger mode, then you'll uh, 
check and see, okay, based on the statistics of my park, based on how much threat I've added by adding certain dinosaurs and how much security I've put into, I've invested into my park, I'm going to roll some dice and see, okay, this is how these dinosaurs are going to behave, and this is uh, whether or not they do damage to their pens and possibly break out damaging other pens, which can lead to cascading breakouts. So there's a bit, little bit of a push your luck. You're trying to conserve resources. You're trying to make sure that your park is secure, but not overly secure because putting too much money and time into security costs money and time and you need to use that for other things uh and so that's kind of the general cycle of the of uh around so you're going everybody plays at the same time you're all going to be using the same dice so at the end of the game you're all going to have wildly different parks but you all use the same values to get there so it lends itself to a lot of comparison uh right yeah so you can say oh well this is what i did when we got those values i used it to build this brachiosaurus over here oh well i use it to build lots of paths so you can see i have these branching paths over here so that's another one of the original features of the game that i wanted to make sure it was preserved was that everyone was working off of shared a shared pool that lent commonality between the parks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So as as the game progresses, basically organically, there's not there might not necessarily be a strategy that evolves because it's random based around the dice rolls, but then it's also going to be random based around what people decide to do at that kind of certain that same kind of certain time. So that does that that naturally obviously gives its own sense of replayability for the game as well, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So you you'll have these goals that are put out with the visitor cards that say, okay, I want to have four Brachiosaurus Brachiosaurus in yeah. my park by the time it ends. So you will be kind of using the random dice that you get with some manipulation abilities mm-hmm. that you can unlock to try and get to the values that you need to complete your goals. But you're also a little bit mm-hmm. at the whim of the of the randomness of the dice. But because everyone is sharing those dice, it makes for a very mm-hmm. smooth playing, very common experience. So that everyone is kind of no one gets kind of messed over by the dice, so to speak. Okay. Okay. With it being the structure that it's in. Does that mean that the three of you have been able to look at um, kind of expansions, different scenarios and stuff like that as well, kind of bringing in different variations of the game and things like that? Definitely. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Is, I mean, is there anything that you've... I mean, say, say yourself, Nick, I mean, is that with you being the kind of the the roll and write expert, and I'm going to keep coming back to you as the roll and write <laughs> expert, like the BBC would do if they were interviewing somebody about roll and write. But um, again, have you been able to give guidance about kind of what's expected and kind of different iterations of the game, what potentially could be expansions, like what kind of what would kind of kind of work and things like that? I certainly have. I've um, suggested certain things that could be added um, uh, later on as expansions. Um, mm-hmm. As something that James has always said early on is that we can always add more dinosaurs to do different things. Um, yeah. Different dinosaurs can have different threat. Um, they can have slightly different mechanics, possibly. Um, and then I've been adding in things like other special buildings and different um, research labs, which allow you to do various uh, break the rules slightly in various ways. Um, mm. So um, I have been doing that, but it's been a very much a collaborative process. I think with everyone suggesting. Um, their own ideas, um, and I'm just kind of collating them and trying to uh, kind of reality check all those suggestions into something that will actually work. Mm-hmm. I mean, for yourself, David, was working on kind of looking at kind of different expansions and things like that. Was that a different approach to how you would have looked at kind of expansions to, say, for example, for Anachrony, for instance? 
I, I, I don't think comparing the development and the expansion process of this game to an acne would be <laughs> fair for, for either game. It doesn't uh, weigh 30 pounds. It doesn't make the cut. <laughs> <laughs> you're joking, but also you're not joking. Uh, so basically the way I approached uh, expansion, potential expansions for uh, Dino World and, and I think mm. all of my ideas ended up on the, yeah, we'll get back to later, nice try, buddy <laughs> pile <laughs> was that uh, what else could I do on my turn that somehow benefits to my game and yeah. somehow doesn't take away from building the park. And, mm. and, and I think the, the only one that I actually protoed and sent to Nick died because it was either you use it and then you gain some and then you miss an action somewhere else or you don't use it and then what's the point of having it here. So, so yes, this is a very interesting case study for me because I can't just add 10 more things to it and thus justify the other nine. But, yeah. but once I catch up and, and play the, final version with all the the advanced bits that the guys have been playtesting the past few weeks, which unfortunately I completely missed, then I hope to get inspired again, and if Cesar wants to get back to this project in the future, or in in any way, then I'll be here annoying the <laughs> beep out of them. <laughs> yeah, and we are definitely including a couple of expansions in the Kickstarter campaign that's going on right now. So we've got um, in the the map of the park. There's a lake in the center of it, and that was kind of meant to kind of give the terrain some some feeling of like you know I can I can go this direction, but not that direction. Kind of meant to be an obstacle to give it um, a little bit more mm -hmm. uh, organic sense. But uh, we're actually using that park now to build uh, aquatic dinosaurs. So you can actually draw different kinds of dinosaurs into the lake or expand the lake. Um, and then another uh, expansion we're also including is uh, aviaries to include flying dinosaurs. Uh, and Nick's done a really great right. job of, of taking those initial ideas and really developing them into something uh, usable. And also Caesar's team, I, I know Bez was involved in those as well. Yep, yep. How, how, I mean, in terms of, like, stretch goals, I mean, let's, let's jump into stretch goals because you're going to hit some. I mean, you, you've probably already hit some already. Is that another side of things that did you have to consider them when you were putting together the campaign? Or have you just said, we'll tell you what, let's see what happens with the campaign first, and then let's panic and start throwing some stretch goals together? We, we could tell you, but we'd have to kill you. <laughs> That's fine. You, if you take the train, that'll give me enough time to kill. It'll <laughs> give me enough time to get away and retire, actually, to be perfectly honest. But... Um, so stretch goals were, yeah, we, we did discuss them. Um, hmm. We've been discussing for quite a while now um, about what we could add in for stretch goals. Um, yeah. And the usual things you add in for stretch goals is improved components, um, maybe larger components. Um, and I think a lot of those are going to come out of the, the stretch goals. I don't know what the final list is yet because I've not seen it because it's all hidden on the, uh, the, the Kickstarter page. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, we, we have a kind of a master list of, of possible things to add in for stretch goals. Yeah, and we, we've been throwing everything okay. in that to the mundane of, oh, I, this could be you know, a different color or these could be slightly larger to the absolute extreme of like including real life fossils in every game. <laughs> so <laughs> we, we, we've definitely uh, explored a lot of different avenues and uh, ultimately I think it's going to be up to Caesar on what he thinks are viable. Yeah, I mean, um, 
I mean, Alley Cat Games has been kind of carving a nice little niche for itself as being, you know, it's continually kind of rolling out these very successful games and it's building itself a kind of an excellent kind of reputation for its, you know, for itself as well. So I'm really interested to see what they do. I guess the other thing is as well is the the funding goal itself isn't that wasn't that isn't that high. Um, but again, there's obviously there's always this question about funding goals sometimes being artificially made low to make kind of games kind of fund. Um, but obviously you've you've doubled you kind of the doubled the kind of the target. Mm. I mean, was it was it, were you surprised when you funded? Or did you think, well, we know we're going to fund, but it's just a question of when. Have you been surprised by how quickly you've kind of funded? I think we, yeah, I've, I've certainly was surprised. It was with just shy of three hours it funded in. Um, mm-hmm. I thought maybe it might fund in 24 hours, um, depending on how popular it is. I mean, we've got a lot of followers on the Facebook group um for the yeah. game um and there's a lot of fans of the game on board game geek um but you don't know how many that translates into will actually buy a physical copy of the game um so yes getting you know we've got over i think 600 backers now um yeah within that time is is yes quite amazing yeah yeah i know yeah. myself personally since i didn't have a lot of experience being on the inside of a kickstarter i didn't know what to expect going in i wasn't mm-hmm. sure if it would fund at all because um, I looked at some of the other campaigns uh, that Alley Cat has done. They've had much lower um, uh, turnouts. Uh, I've looked at similar rolling rights uh, that had much mm-hmm. lower levels. I tried to kind of temper my expectations. Well, you know, you know, if we if we get to you know our funding goal, then that you know that's going to be enough. At least people will get the the backers will get it in their hands and will be out in the wild. Um, but yeah. uh, but uh, you know, I had the secret hope that maybe this would explode. Um, but when it when it funded in three hours, I, I was blown away. I was absolutely over the moon. I did not expect it to go that quickly, for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And for you, David, is it kind of strange looking at like you know a game like this and 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 reaching like six, you know, reach sixteen thousand, where something like Anachrony was like did six figures to huge amounts. <laughs> uh, I mean, each game has a price point, has an mm. expected number of backers based on the publisher's reach, as in marketing firepower, other selling points, etc., etc. And then you multiply those two numbers up, and then that tells you how much money you hope to get. And Mm -hmm. then you set a number which is both uh, big enough to fund your production and small enough to hopefully fund in a day or two max. Uh, mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. because Kickstarter reacts weirdly to projects not funding in the first mm-hmm. day or two. Everybody assumes it's doom and gloom. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, what's I mean? What are your thoughts on that? You know, David, being having some experience, obviously in the I, Kickstarter I've, space I've now. Been, I mean, I've been backing games since 2012. Back in 12 and 13, mm-hmm. this was not how Kickstarter worked. Now it is. Yeah. Deal with it. Uh, to me, it just means that if you think your project's gonna make 70 grand, then set your funding to 10-ish grand so that you fund in the first day and then using the rule of 40, 30, 30, you're gonna get enough money to make it to, uh, to uh, 70. If you think your project will fund half a million, then set your, tar- yeah. set your funding target to, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 grand and you'll still hit it in, uh, 
uh, in a few hours. Because if you don't, then your project will not make half a million and then you probably mispriced the whole thing and you should go back to the drawing board. So this is just product development and I've now done this twice with Minecraft games. Obviously, those are the biggest because out of the publishers I work with, they have the biggest games and the biggest reach. So multiply those numbers, you get very big ones. But I've done it to, uh, a few more times with other publishers as well. I got the, another key campaign going on right now, which I wasn't going to talk too much about because this is Alicat's time to shine. Uh, but, you know, it's it's all about managing your own expectations, and I'm very happy with how Dino World is doing, and I'm very glad I could help James bring out his dream to the big world, because I remember how it was for me in 2013, mm-hmm. the first game of mine got published, and that made 57 grand on uh, on uh, Kickstarter for a big Bigish box game, which in today's world would be a horrible disappointment, but back then it was like, oh my god, my dreams are coming true. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, for say for for instance, for yourself, Nick. I mean, is that? I mean, have you got kind of games yourself that you're kind of wanting to bring out yourself? I mean, does this encourage you to say, well, you know, I'm going to start kind of putting together some more of my own stuff and getting that kind of out there? using kind of working with Cesar and things like that. Certainly. Um, yeah, I think it has pushed me to think sh- it's worth um, trying to pitch some of my designs to publishers. Um, I haven't done this before, um, publish- pitching to publishers, um, simply because I, I don't have, haven't had the time to invest um, in doing that. But it's, um, I think it's encouraged me to, to, to pursue that more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in terms of, Kind of going forward for someone like yourself, James, does that encourage you to say, well, I mean, I'm guessing there's a pile of other games that you would like to get created. I mean, normally games designers don't just have the one game kind of <laughs> sitting in the background. So is that giving you the confidence to think, well, there's other things I can now bring to the table? Um, or has it made you think, well, actually, maybe collaboration is the kind of the way going forward? Well, I think I got kind of lucky in this particular example of having two great guys to collaborate with. Uh, we had a very good working relationship of putting mm-hmm. ideas and respecting each other's ideas, um, you know, working together to kind of come to, up with a good solution. Um, I'm I'm not 100% sure I would have such a good experience again with, two, with you know, other people uh, just because I've never done it before it's outside these guys. I don't know if I'm, I'm spoiled or if this is the norm, uh, but I do know it's been an enjoyable mm-hmm. experience. I would be very open to having another collaborative experience, but I, like you said, I do have a pile of designs uh, and i'm bringing several of them with me to uh philadelphia this this november uh, for pax unplugged where i'll be pitching to several publishers but i also you know hope to work with alicat again in the future uh, on some more ideas for their line whereas whereas this is where okay. i can definitely say that for me it's all about the collaboration all the time uh i got yeah. something like seven or eight games out and like a bunch more coming and I think all but two of them are co-designs cool at this point, as in past and present okay. and future included. Yeah. So to to me, the it's it's having different kind of collaborators because everybody learns from everybody. And yeah. and and Nick started as one of the many playtesters on one of my games, God knows how many months or years ago. And and now I am planning at least one more game to be designed with him, right, Nick? Yep, that's right. 
<laughs> I was just kind of like, he's not agreed to me yet, but if I get him to say it on air, at least there'll be oh, at least no, no. four he people or, he, that have he ordered, happen. He already booked the train ticket, so it, yeah. it, he, he either wastes 20 hours of travel or he gets a game out of it. <laughs> what's the, I mean, what, I mean, I know uh, it's James, but what's the game that you've kind of got out of the moment, David? Uh, it's called Imperium and it's by NSKN Games oh, yeah. and it's a civilization yeah. deck builder game for the one to four players and Nick will be playtesting the solo mode as of next week so <laughs> just, Nick do you know this? Um, <laughs> is this you do, yeah. are you got the, co- got the coffee and the sandwiches in exactly I'm just waiting for him to finish the the testing the last bits of the Dino World expansion yep. and then I'm as soon as he's finished then <laughs> I do, I do. I'm all prepped for it under my thumb <laughs> and then, and then I know, uh, uh, the yep. next next project of my own will probably actually yeah. be the Anachrony expansion which is I know what everybody gets is super excited about but, oh no sorry Die Settlers will get an expansion <laughs> first that will happen yeah. first in January so that that was my big release this essence so Ask me about it some other time. Are you doing Petricor as well? Yes, Petricor is Dave Kirkop's game, and again, I improved it and then made some expansions for it, and we had a yeah. giant bee at our booth in Essen. I was even dressed up as a bee. You can find the pictures online. <laughs> I've oh, man, i got to see that. You that you were at, I've seen that picture. I've seen that picture because you were at the Essen meetup, and you think you still had the bee costume on, didn't you? I'm oh no, that was sure. that, that, that was that was somebody else whom I borrowed the bee costume from. So <laughs> that's not how I <laughs> look. That's that's a different person. <laughs> that's a different person. But yes, I was there. Just... That's where I got the idea from. <laughs> oh, fantastic! But um, yeah, as you said, you've got kind of um, you've kind of got your you've got um, Petrocore expansion, Dice Settlers as well, as you said in that could be and then, um, and then towards the summer, a couple of new <laughs> games, not just expansions, you know. I do have new yeah. ideas occasionally. Pocket Dragon? Pocket Dragon is, uh. is, is, is shipping, but there was, there was a lot of help from my wife, so yeah, that was special. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. Um, see, it's not just about <laughs> anachrony. Cesar said, I'll oh, just talk. Talk to David about anachrony because he loves talking about anachrony all the time. <laughs> Basically, that's not that's not true. It could be true. It's kind of true. Um, for people who are interested in getting in the door, um, how much is it going to cost them to pick themselves up a copy <laughs> of Dino World? Uh, the cheapest pledge is uh, twenty one pounds, which is just the base game, or twenty nine pounds for the. The, the 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 water dino dinos and the solar mode and everything else. So yeah, yeah, and it's and um, you've gone for a very very short time kind of campaign as well. Nah, seven sixteen what? days is not not short these days. I've I've re- I've been part of fourteen and twelve day campaigns as well. So oh, right. it's, okay. it, uh, anything above twenty eight is considered unreasonably long these days. <laughs> I don't know. It gives me enough time to look towards payday when I'm <laughs> since, since you gotta keep that campaign takes, momentum up. Since kick, I know. yeah, that too. And since Kickstarter takes two weeks to charge your credit card maximum, uh, there is yeah. no way to not hit one more payday 
unless you're running a five-day campaign. <laughs> so it, the, the fact that campaigns have to pick over a payday is a urban legend that is not true. And every time we run a campaign that doesn't take over a month, I have to tell it to everybody saying, no, don't worry. If at the end of the campaign you're <laughs> a bit short, then Kickstarter will retry charging you five days later and then five days later again. So it's fine. So good. So yeah, it's short campaigns are the it's future. Yeah. Well, as I say, we've got about, by the time this comes out, we'll have about two weeks left. Um, you are sitting at almost £17,000 and as I say it's £21 to get in at the Velociraptor value which is just a fantastic it's £29 if you want to come in at the tremendous Tyrannosaurus Rex um, that's not so good a name but it's fine um, and you get you get all the ex- extra goals, the Avery expansion, the Aquatic expansion, the one-player automata, and the six months exclusivity after release. Um, we'll make sure that we put the the um, the link for the campaign in the show notes, so that we have notes to show. If we want, if if people have listened along today. And they like what they've heard and they like to kind of keep an eye on you gentlemen to see what you're up to on the interweb nets. Where do we find you on the interweb nets, David? Uh, BG, Board Game Geek is the obvious easiest. Other than mm-hmm. that, I'm very active in a number of Facebook groups. The, the mm-hmm. UK chat, uh, the, the, and the, the big, big one, the all capitals one and exposure mm-hmm. and spotlight. So I am usually okay. happy to reply to random requests. So if anybody okay. wants to hunt me down, <laughs> I'm take, easy to type find. Type up a random request <laughs> just now. Um, what about you, Nick? Um, I'm on board game geek as NJ Shaw two. If you want to find me there, um, I am on Twitter as the same name as well, although I don't post much on Twitter. Um, and again, I'm on okay. uh, a number of those Facebook groups as well, if you want to come and find me there. Cool. And finally, James, what about your good self? Hey, I'm definitely active uh, on Twitter as much as I can be. I'm there on at, at Stellaris Games, S-T-E-L-L-A-R-I-S, Stellaris Games, mm-hmm. and uh, on BGG as Astrium Rex. Cool. Excellent. Um, you can find us in the usual haunts and places. We're on Facebook at We're Not Wizards, Twitter at We're Not Wizards, Instagram at We're Not Wizards, YouTube, We're Not Wizards Tabletop Podcast. We have a website, which is We're Not Wizards.com. We have a blog, which is We're Not Wizards.blogspot.com. You can email us magic at We're Not Wizards.com. I am aware of the irony. That is why I picked the email address. Um, <laughs> you can find us on the usual podcast catchers, your stitchers, your speakers, your acasts, your Spotify's potentially Deezer, they're, they're just all over the place, cast box, things like that. If you like what you've listened to, then please feel free to drop us a little rating on the podcast catcher where you catch your podcasts. If you like us even more, then please consider going to the Apple Podcast place um, and therein drop us a rating or a review or even a subscription. If you are going to drop us a rating or a review, remember, don't give us 10 stars because that makes us big-headed. But don't give us one, because it makes me cry, and I'm an ugly crier. Give us something in the middle, like a five, because it's average, and we are just just a little bit average. But the people who have not been average tonight, 
is rather fantastic. They're rather wonderful. I have Nick, I have James, and I have David. Uh, and we're off somewhere off in the distance, probably worrying, asking. I hope he's not asked a whole pile of stupid questions as Cesar from American <laughs> Games as well. Um, but gentlemen, thank you very, very much for coming on the show. It's been um, it's been a lot of fun. Um, My pleasure. There are only two more things to do. The first thing is to remember that we are many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, gentlemen? We are not. Definitely not. I can't confirm or deny it. It's <laughs> always one, eh? It's always one. I could guarantee I could have wrote that down, stuck it in an envelope like a magician, and pulled that out at the end and went, oh, is this the card you thought of? The ambivalent one. Um, <laughs> but if you did that, you would be a wizard. I would be. Um, and I'm not. Um, or maybe I am. Check my Twitter profile. The truth is there. Um, and the last thing is to say goodbye. So it's a f- goodbye from the wonderful David. Say goodbye, David. Goodbye. <laughs> it's 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 a toodaloo from Nick. Toodaloo. And it's a y'all come back now you're here from James. <laughs> y'all come back now you're here. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you did that. <laughs> yeah, make the American do it. <laughs> uh, and it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe. Rollsixes.com. <laughs> And uh, if you got yourself a pencil, if you got yourself a dice, if you got yourself a pad of paper, and you want to get all Jurassic, then check out Dino World. It's still out there. It's still fun. We'll stick a link in the show notes um, so you can hear that roar, as they would say. But until the next time, goodbye. A wizard is never late. Nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to. (laughs) 